Frequency Cast. Startup in progress. Hi, and welcome to Frequency Cast, the UK's digital TV and technology show. At Frequency Cast, it's our mission to keep you up to date with today's tech, answer your questions, and keep you entertained along the way. Our shows are driven by your feedback. You decide what we talk about, and we'll do the rest. Here's what we'll be looking at today in show 120. Behind the scenes at an ISS contact, a crowdsourced 10-hour long film, a wearable way of de-stressing, riot backpacks and a sci-fi ball, plus TV player and BBC Sporting restrictions. First off, here's Pete with the latest tech news. Frequency cast, now loading, news. The tech headlines for February 2016. And first off, mobile phone firm 3 is about to switch hundreds of thousands of its users from paying £17 a month over to a £30 a month tariff unless customers respond to a recent letter. 3 is closing one of its old all-you-can-eat unlimited data tariffs. As we're all using more and more data these days, we're expecting that these various unlimited data packages will soon be phased out. If you're affected by the change at 3, the letter gives you 30 days to opt out and find another, cheaper plan. Next, we finally had some news about SkyQ, the replacement for the Sky Plus box. The top of the range box packs a 2TB drive, a touch remote and a smartphone app. It can record 4 channels, not just 2, and support streaming over Wi-Fi. Setup and installation will be £99, and it will cost an additional £12 per month compared with the average Sky Plus package. New customers can expect to pay £42 a month. The launch date for SkyQ, the 9th of February. Staying with set-top boxes, news now for users of the low-price Now TV streaming box. A new box, also from Sky, has just been announced, with a new interface and content recommendations. Out later in the year, price to be confirmed. Next, BBC3. As we've reported over the last couple of shows, the channel will be shortly going off-air and switching to online. Plans just revealed by the BBC show that we can expect a new service called The Best Of later this month, as well as the Daily Drop. This will be shareable content released throughout the day for consumption on mobile devices. BBC's Director-General Tony Hall has highlighted that the changes are both new and risky, but he says it's important to discover what works in an on-demand world. Watch this cyberspace. And finally, recently seen taped to a lamp post. Lost responds to the name of Spike, reward offered. No, it's not a missing canine or feline, but a missing drone. It seems that this type of poster is becoming more and more common. Take a look in Google Images for the phrase lost drone for some recent examples. With many of these quadcopters costing well over £1,000, it's not surprising that people want them back, and some of the signs also include the GPS coordinates of the downed craft to help searchers. I guess this is a sign of the times. Thanks very much, Pete. For more tech news, go to frequencycast.co.uk forward slash news or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Frequency Cast 120. What a lot of shows we've done, Kelly. We're old. We're so old. You speak for yourself. I can see wrinkles, grey hairs. You're looking gorgeous to me and you look even more gorgeous on the radio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why we do radio. (laughs) 
Absolutely. So, quite a lot of stuff to get through in today's show. And um, I th- you, you made me smile a couple of weeks ago. You pointed out that someone we've spoken to uh, was getting some national press coverage. What was all that about? I'm just going to put it out there. My guilty pleasure is to read the Daily Mail online while I eat my lunch. I know I shouldn't do it. I know it's bad, but I do. And right at the top of their main stories was one of the um, suppliers or producers that we'd met at their gadget show. Absolutely. That was Sarah from Riot, who uh, invented a way of turning a backpack inside out. And uh, we spoke to her because, A, she was lovely, and, B, she just basically built this product. She had an idea, and she went out and purely funded it herself. So that uh, was really good, well spotted. Thank you. I was so chuffed. I was getting everybody around the computer, and we were all having a little look at it, and I was trying to explain about how it all worked. And, yeah, it was a good moment. Let's play a little clip of her, shall we, just for old time's sake. Oh, why not? This time last year, the riot bag didn't exist. It was just a sketch on a piece of paper. Um, and what I did was work with a prototyping company, and then by September, we had created the final prototype. In that time, I'd used SurveyMonkey to survey a thousand people for free online via social media. Then, with my final prototype, I put that on Kickstarter for a month and managed to get a thousand people to back it, which was absolutely amazing. And that allowed me in November, fully funded, to go off to China, get the first production um, sample made. Then, in December, the first production run started and the first bags, first right bags came back in February. So, within a year, I've gone from having an idea to prototyping it, creating it and getting people actually wearing it. And of course the really interesting thing there is she funded it through this sort of crowdsourcing where you basically put a proposal up on the internet and people donate, you know, $5, $10, whatever else. And that's how she got her money to build her prototype. And that kind of leads me on to my next story. Now, this has been in the national press, so you probably saw it. If not, I'm sure our listeners did. The Film Classification Board story. Have you come across that one yet? No. Right. Now, in this country, censorship is a big thing. When a new film comes out, it goes to the BBFC, the uh, British Board Film Classification, and they sit and watch it and they give it a rating, you know, the PG, the U. Yeah, I get that. But if you're a small independent filmmaker, you have to go through this process before they'll screen your film. And some small independent producers don't like the fact that you have to pay to get a rating submitted and put it in front of, of people to do it. Okay. So this guy had a brilliant idea. What he did was he set up a Kickstarter campaign. The idea being is he would make a film and the fee to actually get it viewed and certified is something like £7 a minute. So what he did was he put up, please donate as much as you can, and the amount that you donate will define the length of the movie. Okay, that's quite smart. And what he would then do is create a film of whatever length he could get the funding for and submit it to the BBFC to rate. Okay. He managed to raise £5,936. Oh, wow. Which meant he submitted a film lasting 10 hours and 7 minutes. Oh, I bet they never, ever wanted to watch a film that long. And what was the film about? I have no idea. He painted a wall and filmed it drying for 10 hours and 7 minutes. Oh, my God. Gosh, and somebody actually had to sit there and watch that. Two independent people have to sit there and watch without a break all the way through. But their uh, health and safety thing means they've got to stop at nine hours. So the first day they watched nine hours of it, and the next day they came back and watched the remaining one hour and seven minutes of it. 
And what rating did they give it? They gave it a U, so it passed. But it's just a sort of a two-fingered salute to the censorship industry and everything else. And it made some national news. It was quite funny. That is. I absolutely love that. What a great idea. If you're interested, 10 hours and 7 minutes of paint drying in HD, though. Oh, what? That makes it better, does it? I'm sure the uh, DVD box set will be out before too long if you're interested. Cool, dear. That's sad. So, talking about things to watch, did you see the Tim Peake event last month? Tim, of course, is up there on the International Space Station, floating 250 or so miles above us at the moment, and he's the first Brit aboard the ISS. He made his first radio contact with a school in January. Did you see it, Kelly? I think the real question is who didn't see it? It was everywhere. So a group of uh, school children from the Sandringham School in St Albans uh, used amateur radio to make the first contact with Tim Peake. 8th of January, massive event, BBC were there, Sky were there, worldwide streams, all sorts of things. And it's an amazing undertaking to get that to happen because you've got to work with the school, you've got to work with local amateurs to set up all the equipment. There's organisations, ARIS, the European Space Agency, NASA... AMSAT UK all have to come together to make this kind of thing possible. They even had the, uh, you know, the big dishes, the Goonhilly tracking dishes. They had that running to track it as well. Wow, they went all out for this. And uh, we're lucky enough to catch up with a chap called Steve Thomas, who was there. He was actually in the audience. And we caught up with him a couple of days ago to have a chat and find out how it went. Yeah, hi, I'm Steve Thomas, and I volunteer for an organisation called the Radio Society of Great Britain. So this was a fairly historic milestone, the first time that anyone's spoken to a British astronaut up on the ISS. And the person selected for the contact was Jessica. So she was on the stage at the front. She'd taken an amateur radio licence about a week before, so she was trained for it. And so were two of her friends as well that were on the stage. But Jessica was actually operating the radio as the other pupils came on stage to ask Tim the questions. And the media, of course, were loving this. It was a really great thing for to see because it was the first UK opportunity for Tim Peake uh, to talk to a UK school. And it was a really great day. Absolutely. Now, I'm assuming quite a lot of preparation went into making this happen. Months of preparation, I have to say. Not really from our organisation, from other organisations that were helping make this happen, all to do with amateur radio. But the coordination with the European Space Agency and trying to get in Tim's schedule and everything like that is a really complicated thing to do. And if anything goes wrong in the weeks leading up to it, the plan changes and his schedule changes. So there was unplanned spacewalks, wasn't there, in the in the week, I think, leading up to it. And that just, we thought we were going to lose it for a while. But uh, it all worked out on the day we planned, so great stuff. So when the orbit of the ISS came overhead, I had a listen. I got my radio out and had a listen to the uh, the frequency of the International Space Station. And I could clearly hear Tim as he, as he came over. And uh, this is a little sample of Jessica calling and a response from Tim. Golf Bravo 1 Sierra Sierra GB1SS. This is Golf Bravo 1 Sierra Alpha November calling and standing by. Over. Hello, Golf Bravo 1 Sierra Alpha November. This is Golf Bravo 1 Sierra Sierra on Charlie 6. I read you loud and clear. Over. GB1SS from GB1SAN. Great to hear you, Tim. This is Jessica, Mike 6, Lima Papa Juliet from Sandringham School in St. Albans. Are you ready for your first question? Hi, I'm Hugo. What do you think Isaac Newton would say if he used the name of your mission was based on his book? Over. 
Thank you, Hugo. I think, uh, I'd like to think that Isaac Newton would be honoured that uh, Principia was chosen as a mission name in honour of his life's work and, uh, you know, his understanding of physics and the universe, which all of our knowledge has been built upon. Absolutely amazing hearing those first crackles coming through and making contact. So, Steve, what was the atmosphere like when that first voice crackled through? Uh, well, it was tense before we heard his voice, so <laughs> that's what it was. So, when the uh, International Space Station goes over, you get about ten minutes where you can actually talk to it. We only got about six minutes because it took us a while just to make the contact, and that was a nervous time. But there was a huge amount of relief when he actually came back and replied, and they started asking the questions. It's given us an opportunity to put amateur radio in mainstream media. Um, so we had the BBC, ITV, Sky, BBC Newsround was there, as well as local and national radio stations. They were all there for this contact, and they all saw amateur radio in operation. So that's unusual. And subsequently, they've been interested in when the next one's coming around and what's, what's the plans for that one. So I think it's been really good for amateur radio to get it right in the mainstream media. Now, Kelly, of course, you're a radio amateur, so uh, you know all about how all the, the techie kind of stuff works. There's nine more of these to go, so with a bit of luck, take your handheld, go out, have a listen. But, of course, you were a bit of a star, weren't you, um, on the uh, the video that's being used to try and get youngsters into the radio. And you did some of the commentary, and you were on shot and everything else. That video? Yes, I remember the video well. World famous? Is it world famous? After the contact was made, there were a few presentations to the school children and also worldwide streaming. Let's uh, find out from Steve what happened. Well, I did see Kelly up on the big screen. So in front of all of this audience with the, in the youth video, Kelly was up there doing the, um, the narration for it, I think. Um, but yeah, Kelly was there front and centre in front of the world's press. And that video has actually been really, really popular. Excellent. Now, if I've got this right, there's another... Eight or nine contacts still to come? Another nine to come. <laughs> we're all worn out from the first one, and we've got another nine to go. But we're working with those schools leading up to each contact to see what we can do to work with them. We're providing some radio kits for the kids to build. But we're doing that with all the local amateur radio clubs that are close to the schools so that they can carry on that relationship with the school, hopefully. And this is all supporting... STEM activities within the school. So science, technology, engineering, maths, of course, really big and important in schools these days. And we're absolutely convinced that amateur radio is a good foundation and supporting skill, if you like, to go with those subjects. Great stuff, and well done to everyone involved in making the contact possible. If all goes to plan, there'll be up to another nine schools hopefully making contact with Tim aboard the ISS between now and May 2016, which is when Tim will be back on Earth. If you want to find out more about these upcoming contacts, you can go to www.rsgb.org. And if you get the chance to get involved, to listen or to spread the word, please make sure you do. It all helps to promote science and how radio works. And it's exciting. Hello, this is Simon Jones, a.k.a. Arthur Dent, voyaging through the galaxy, and you're listening to Frequency Cast. Right, staying with the space theme, do you fancy dressing up and going to a ball? Always. Do you know me? I have to mention this. This is the Sci-Fi Ball, which is taking place in Southampton. It's on between the 5th and the 7th of February. The very kind organisers have invited us to go along. And uh, there is a black tie event, so uh, you would be in your element. I, I would be in my element, though I would be more in my element at the Con Dance Workshop. I actually think that that is amazing. If I could get there... 
I would go just for that. I would ditch the dressing up and just go for the dance workshop. You would have to dress up as a character from uh, the sci-fi universe, though. I can live with that. Who would you be? Oh, we've had this before. You'd be Catwoman, wouldn't you? Yeah, probably. Does Game of Thrones come under this now? I would probably then change my mind. Maybe I'd go as, like, Khaleesi. Oh, yeah, on that subject, Sabrina Bartlett. I don't know if you know the character from Game of Thrones. She will be there, as will a few people from um, Star Trek Enterprise, Deep Space Nine, Doctor Who, a few sort of well-known science fiction-y kind of names there, and some writers as well, Robert Rankin, the author, James Moran, who is involved with Doctor Who. So uh, some, uh, some decent names there. And uh, Southampton is the place to go if you fancy going to the Sci-Fi Ball. And they very kindly invited us, but it hits a very busy weekend for us. But um, the important thing to say is it is raising money for charity. It's raising money for the Teenage Cancer Trust. So if you are into your sci-fi and you're able to get to uh, Southampton for the uh, Sci-Fi Ball, highly recommended between the 5th and the 7th of February. And uh, what do you reckon? Should we try and get there next year? How about that? Oh, I really want to. Like, even says there's a late-night disco with games. I want to play the games. The games look brilliant. Interactive games. Who wants to be a starship captain, geeking for gold, and who's who? Uh, as well as dressing up. And I'd go just to see you dressed as Catwoman. Of course you would. Do you own a leather cat suit? Not yet. It can be done. What about if we got a Kickstarter campaign going from our <laughs> listeners? Oh, dear. Be honest, you'd probably just put it on expenses just so I had one. And another event that's on our to-do list is coming up on the 15th and 16th of March. This is another definite one to go for. This one's in London. It's the Wearable Tech Show. Over 120 exhibitors, 200 speakers. We went last year, we saw all sorts of really good stuff. You couldn't make that one, but you are making this year's, aren't you? Yeah, I, I was so gutted I missed last year's. And when you came back and you'd met so many great people and seen so many great products, I was like, I'm not missing it again. So I've, I've made sure I'm definitely coming this time all the wearable tech fitness trackers and headbands and and all that kind of stuff and lots of augmented reality as well which is absolutely fascinating so uh, we're going along uh, we reckon you should too so wearable tech 15th and 16th of march make sure you're there and we'll play a quick interview this is one we captured last year we just haven't had a chance to use it we've been so busy over the last year do you uh, ever get stressed kelly you don't look it but i wonder if you do i don't feel like i do well, this is a rather clever little stress band. You basically put some headphones on and a stress band and it de-stresses you. And uh, to find out more, let's have a chat with the person behind it. Hello, my name is Ariel Garten. I'm the CEO of Interaxon. We make a product, Muse, the brain-sensing headband. Okay, so how is this going to relieve our stress? So Muse actually tracks your brain activity in real time and gives you exercises that help you improve your attention and reduce your stress. So what does it do? It's a headband, they obviously strap around your head and uh, we're seeing people here doing the demo with headsets on. So how does this work? So Muse actually lets you hear the sound of your own mind. So when you're thinking distracted word, you actually hear it as windy. And as you come to a state of clear, focused attention, you quiet those winds. So you know that feeling when you're stressed that the world is just kind of rushing and your brain's going all different directions? You're nodding because you know it well. I do, I do indeed. What I'm more worried about is if it lets you listen to your mind, my mind's empty. So they'll be silent, is that? <laughs> no, no mind is empty, I promise. But what it does let you do is it lets you learn to calm and focus your mind so that it's not that feeling of crazy. So you have a sense of calm and peace on the inside. So you train with Muse just for three minutes a day and then when you go out into the real world, 
you take what you've learned using Muse and it lets you be far more calm in your daily life. So things that used to get to you don't anymore. When your kids, you know, drop their milk all over the floor, instead of yelling at them, you just go and you, you know, clean up the milk. So it teaches you to, it's not that you don't get angry, it's not that you've stopped having emotions, but it just teaches you to manage your emotions far more effectively. And how effective is this? So there are over 50 research institutions and hospitals currently using Muse. Um, you know, hospitals are using it for cancer care patients and surgery patients to help them deal with the stress of those things. So if it can deal with that kind of stress, it can certainly help you deal with and manage the stress in your daily life. I can see on the screen there's a, sort of a graphic representation of what's going on. What are we seeing at if we link up with a tablet? Um, so on the tablet you're actually seeing inside your own mind, it's super cool. So when the sky is all stormy, that's when you're thinking, worried, ruminating, and when the sky gets clear, that's when you've learned to clear your own mind. Where do we find these? So you can find this on choosemuse.com, Muse, M-U-S-E. You can find it on amazon.co.uk by searching Muse Headband. And you can find it in your own home if your husband or wife has bought one, you can nick it from them. So Alice, you've been plugged into this machine for about five minutes, what were you hearing? It was uh, a lot of natural noises. I felt like I was on a beach, lots of waves, a really, really natural, organic sound, birds at one point as well, which is really, really relaxing. I, I could have happily have dozed off. And the good thing is it looks like you've got something on the screen here that shows how, uh, how your brain's been. Kat, can you just talk us through what we're looking at here? So basically we've got a really visual representation of what was going on in your brain during that exercise. So you can see the three different gradients of this, this, this state of mind, so ranging from active state to neutral and uh, to completely calm, which is what you want to achieve as much calmness as you can throughout the three minutes. So you can see it's quite a mixture there going up and down. There's various different kind of visual representations, so you can see it as a pie chart there. That's quite good for that first session. 27% of that time you were calm, 39% neutral. It operates with a point system as well, which can um, you can use to compare day to day. So you've got 220 points today. Tomorrow you may get 180. And you can compare and think, okay, why did I get more on that day? What was my state of mind? What was more relaxing? What techniques did I use? And that's how your brain starts to train itself and become a habit. There you go. The way of de-stressing all that and more at Wearable Tech 2016. And uh, if you're going, we'll see you there. Yeah, see you there. Frequency cast. Now loading. Interaction. It's interaction, your feedback, and quite a lot for the show, show 120. Who was first, Kelly? Uh, the first one was from Stephen Wilton. He says, Hi guys, I noticed that TV player on Freeview has come off air, which is quite annoying since they've introduced Sky channels like Discovery and History, etc. I've tried transfer through Miracast and have found I can only get sound and no picture. Any ideas? Okay, do you know much about TV player? No. It gives you 25 extra channels, you have to pay for them, uh, delivered over the internet, and you used to be able to get them on Freeview, but they've stopped. We checked and we uh, got a statement from TV Player that says, unfortunately, our agreement for the Freeview channel has come to an end, and we've decided not to renew with Freeview due to lack of demand. However, we're investing in new platform launches and we'll be launching on a range of connected devices, TVs and set-top boxes soon. In the meantime, though, you can continue to watch TV Player on desktop, mobile, tablet, Apple TV and Amazon Fire TV. 
But the next one is from someone you've met, Kelly. Yeah, the next one is from uh, Jakob, who I actually met last year. So um, hi there. He says, thank you for keeping us up to date with the latest technology. I have a question for you. My daughter, who is seven at the moment, told me that she would like to create games. I'm not sure where to start, to be honest. Do you know of any software that will help her start creating content? That's a really good question, and it is something we've been looking into. The one to go with seems to be something called Scratch, which is a really cool uh, development platform. It's aimed at kids between 8 and 16, so you'll be fine, Kelly. Yes! And it's uh, totally free. You can do it online through a web browser. And it's basically, the, the comparison I would really give for this is something like Lego. So you get sort of blocks of components, you know, do this if that happens. And you build up slowly a program that will do something. And you can make games, you can do all sorts of interactive things. And as I say, it's free. It's called Scratch, and you can find it from scratch.mit.edu. Please let us know how she gets on, and we'd love to try one of her games. Okay, who have we got next then, Kelly? The next one's from Michael Wilson. He says, You did a show a couple of years ago where you interviewed a chap from a company selling inkjet printers where they had stripped out the built-in obsolescence measures. I've been trying to find the relevant show but without success. Could you point me in the right direction, please? Okay, the show you're looking for, there is show 89, uh, where we had a long chat about built-in obsolescence and the fact that you buy something and it's, it's designed to fail. Having a look around in answering Michael's question, I found a really nice link, uh, which is basically someone has put together a bunch of different ways to defeat uh, built-in obsolescence on printers. Go to the link on our show notes and you'll find out about uh, uh, how to defeat some of these uh, little devious tactics that the printer manufacturers put in there. I like this. It feels like we're uh, standing up to them now. The next one's from Alan Malarkey. He says, Can I use a Slingbox M1 to watch recorded programmes on my Humax HDR 1100S? We're guessing that's what it is. Smart, one terabyte, free sat, plus with free time HD <laughs> digital TV recorder in Columbia. Do you think Alan said that in deliberately just oh, to trick you up? That was the worst one I've had in a while, Alan. I'm not going to lie. You didn't even put a comma in at any point. Uh, he says, will it interface with Chromecast in any way? Okay, a slightly long question that tripped Kelly up, but uh, yes, yeah, so Slingbox is one of these things that you connect to a box and it will let you watch TV uh, in other countries or on your mobile or whatever. And yes, it does look like it will work with that particular box that I'm not going to attempt to pronounce. Um, as long as the internet provider in Colombia supports streaming video, you should be okay. As for watching it on Chromecast, yes, you can watch Slingbox using the mobile app on a smartphone. And you can then mirror it to Apple TV, Chromecast or to Amazon Fire TV. Next, we've got a formal one here from G. Robinson. No first name. Uh, go ahead. He or she says, Will a power line adapter enhance Wi-Fi reception? My router is situated in a study above my garage. Wi-Fi reception in my sitting room at the far end of the house is poor. If I put a power line adapter in the sitting room, will it also improve the Wi-Fi reception? OK, the short answer to this, G, is no. Uh, with a set of power line adapters, basically you get an Ethernet socket that you can plug in uh, to wherever there's a main socket connected on the same ring main. Nothing to do with Wi-Fi, and it certainly won't improve your Wi-Fi range. If you do want to boost your Wi-Fi range, either move the router to a central location in the property, or get yourself a Wi-Fi extender. And the next one's from Andrew Long. He says, I'm in the UK with a static IP address through Plusnet. I'm trying to listen to the BBC cricket commentary through my internet radio function on my Marantz MCR 510. 
I've tried both five live sports extra and radio four long wave, but in both cases it says that there's rights issues. Why can't I hear it on my Marantz? Yeah, interesting question, and we turned to the BBC for some guidance on this. Uh, Basically, the BBC are now using Shoutcast to stream in MP3, and that is an international feed, so there's no sort of copyright restrictions on it. The uh, BBC don't own international rights to some of these sporting events, so they can't operate outside of the UK. Now, the BBC offers some HLS streams, which can be tied down to the country. So basically what's happening here is the manufacturer Marantz is using the MP3 file that the BBC can't protect from going outside the UK. So it's blocked. So in effect, what you need to do is contact Marantz, see if there's a firmware fix, and see if you can then get the Marantz to use the new HLS streams from the BBC. Messy one, but take a look on the Marantz website or ask their support people and say, I want to listen to some sport, please. Okay, and our last one today is from Andy from Thamesmead. Yes, he's following up on the article about TV licences. So this is the uh, the deal that there's 9,000 people still watching uh, with a black and white TV licence. Yeah, and I echo what he's saying. Really? <laughs> Do you really think those people who say they only have black and white TVs are telling the truth? I know two people that have Sky and flat screens, but only buy a black and white licence. Ooh, naughty. Very naughty. Well, of course, those 9,000 people that have got that licence, the BBC know where they live. They've got their addresses. They'll be getting the knock on the door. They will. And a good old fine. Well, that's it. Thank you very much, everyone, for your feedback. Lots of it this month. Keep it coming. We do love to hear from you. And several ways you can get in touch with us, aren't there, Kelly? Yes, you can call us and leave us a voicemail. The number is 0208 133 4567. Or you can drop us a text, but nobody ever does. Uh, The number is 07882 043 521. Or you can send us an email via the Contact Us button on our site. And of course, we're all over social media if we get the chance. Uh, Anyway, thank you for listening. Catch you on show 121 and uh, have fun. Yeah, well, we'll be even older and greyer. See you later. Frequency Cast. Shutdown in progress. Thanks for listening to today's Frequency Cast. For news updates and to get in touch with us, go to frequencycast.co.uk. While you're there, click the... Add us to iTunes button. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Frequency Cast. Our shows are driven by your feedback, so please get in touch and tell your friends. Frequency Cast.